Well, the Edmonton Oilers' winning streak comes to an end. They had won four straight, but they give up four in the third period this afternoon to the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets take it 5-2. The winning goal scored by Nick Blankenberg, who was playing just his sixth NHL game. It's his first NHL goal after four years at the University of Michigan. A few years ago, he was playing for the Okotoks Oilers in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Edmonton getting goals from Evander Kane, who stays hot his 21st of the season. Leon Dreisaitl scored his patented one-timer on the power play. Two points for Connor McDavid, up to 118 on the season. New career high. His previous best was 116. The Oilers miss out on a chance to wrap up second place in the Pacific Division. Of course, there will be more opportunities to do that, either with L.A. losing or the Oilers winning, but they could have got it done this afternoon, but no dice. 5-2, the Blue Jackets win it. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Oilers Hockey, presented by Friesen Brothers. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, first of all, uh, we'll give credit to the Blue Jackets as we talk about some things going along tonight, but this afternoon, but I also think this wasn't, wasn't quite the same Oilers team we'd seen uh, in recent games. What do you think? Well, uh, yeah, there, I think there was an emotional letdown uh, that we saw in this game. That it wasn't the the intense focus group that we've seen as of late on home ice. And eventually, and when you go through a stretch that the Oilers have had, they've been so good for so long. It, it's hard to keep that intensity at that level. Uh, it's, you know, you've gone through this stretch where you've more or less secured second place. You're in the playoffs. All that's good. And then on the other side of the mountain is the playoffs. And you got these three, four games in the middle that are just bridging the two. And uh, they, the others just weren't as uh, desperate tonight in this game as they have been in the past. And when you play against, as we said with Bob, when you play a team that gets good goaltending and a couple of bounce, bounces, that they can beat you. Any team in the National Hockey League can beat you. And Columbus tonight got great goaltending. He got a couple bounces, and they came out in the third period desperate because they were in a hockey game. This is a season that has not gone great for Columbus. So every time they're close in a game, late in a game, they're going to push a little bit harder because that's a night that they have an opportunity to win. So uh, to me, I'm not going to read too much into this other than that the Oilers played good enough to win, but not good enough to secure a victory. And the Columbus Blue Jackets had a little more desperation. They scored the game winner on on the power play. Kind of a funny too many men call against the Oilers, Rob. I don't know if we got the full replay from the angle they showed on TV. There might there might have been a guy who, who jumped on the ice after they uh, kind of did the, the freeze frame. It's funny you said that, Reed, because when, when they showed the first one, I'm like, okay, hey, that's not a too many men on the ice penalty. And uh, there's one in the third period with about six minutes to go where Vander Kane threw the puck out in the neutral zone and... McDavid got it coming onto the ice and the Oilers had too many men on the ice. That was a penalty because the guy came in on onto the ice, the puck came to him. So he became a factor in the play. The referee, you see him after is kind of pretending to count. He's like, okay, I'm not going to give you another one, but that should have been a penalty there. But the earlier one wasn't a call, but I agree. They kept stopping the, the, the replay just as you see another Oiler jumping on the ice. And there was no one near the bench. So if he jumps on the ice and starts skating out into the play, that's the call that we would see. Uh, Louis and, and uh, Jack weren't in the arena. So they're just only seeing the replays that we are. And that's why Louis kept saying, okay, you know, what's going on there? Oh, if anyone was watching the game on television. But I agree, uh, there had to be more than what we saw. Because what we saw, no, no ref or linesman in the National Hockey League is making that call. 
with a player standing behind his own net. I do believe there was more to it. And it became a very, very important call at that moment. Yeah. I can't remember, Rob, where we've seen one called where a player is behind his own net. And usually unless the puck isn't right there, it's an extended stretch when there's actually six players skating around trying to yes. all play their position. And then the refs are like, okay, I might give you a second or two or, or a few strides in a line change to make a change. But usually if they call it when the puck's nowhere near the bench, because most too many men penalties are a player coming on or coming off touches the puck and sometimes yep. even yeah. accidentally. So I, they must have had six guys trying to get in formation for a breakout. I, I agree 100%. Normally it's a misplay where someone either the opposition sees that you're changing and throws the puck at your bench on purpose, which we see a lot, and all of a sudden it hits a skate with too many and they have, the ref have to call it, or when a player on your own team throws it over there thinking that there's a guy there and someone jumps out and plays the puck before he's off. Now, those are automatic. I've never seen one behind the net where a guy's just standing there unless, of course, the Oilers at that point have six guys that are involved with skating around the ice, as you said, for an extended time. So... I don't think we, as fans watching, got to see the entire angle that the linesman and the ref got because what we saw wasn't a penalty. There had to have been a lot more. All right, so the Oilers lose 5-2 in Columbus. Back to Nationwide Arena. Here's head coach Jay Woodcroft. Behind the net, five guys come on. Yeah. Is that an extra defenseman that came on or no, it, was a, it was an extra forward that came on um there was kind of a little bit of a pushing match on the way off between two forwards or our forward and their d-man and um and we stayed on and the person jumping on for that that player uh, didn't didn't realize that he didn't come off otherwise it would have been a a fine change but um but mental error at an important point in the game right you uh your team you know, a 2-1 lead after 40 minutes could easily have been 4-1, mm-hmm. right? A lot of chances. Pretty good first two periods. Yep. Just didn't have that edge, that extra finish somehow tonight as that you've had lately. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this all the games against teams that are in the playoff hunt and then you play a team out of the playoff hunt? Is there any conscious thing there? Okay, we just got through four really tough games. We play this team. They're not as good. So... But give a team that's not as good too long to hang around and then you end up losing. Yeah, I think we try to paint the picture that they're a competitive group. That's that's the culture they've built uh, around this organization. And they're more skilled than anyone given credit for. I thought they got a little bit of momentum on their their power play, even the ones they didn't score on. I thought it gave them a little bit of offensive confidence. Um, in the end... Um, uh, you know, we didn't get the that kill at two two, um, and we couldn't find uh, we couldn't find that that next goal. Give them credit; they did a lot of really good things, but it's certainly a missed opportunity for us. We talked a lot about Darnell Nurse before the game. How did you feel like your team was able to fare with, with that tonight? Well, I thought um, through the first two periods we were, were pretty good. Obviously, he's an important piece of our, our back end, but uh, you know. 
I think uh, there were just a few too many errors tonight that ended up in the back of our net. He touches so many parts in the game. Are there a, kind of a lesson? Because we don't know how long he's going to be up for. What kind of lesson that you can take from this game to kind of uh, in terms of how you can what his loss? I think we'll we'll learn from uh, the mistakes that we made there in the third period for sure. Where there's opportunities where we can all be better, and um, you know we'll talk about them. We'll have a practice tomorrow and work at our game. You, after the thing with Zach and the melee there, you put him on with Connor. Yeah. Was that? He was actually on with Connor when that melee yeah. so happened that, as well. Like he was kind of in and out fourth line. And yeah. He, he also line? got he also got taken out of the game. Um, the referees gave him added a ten minute yeah. misconduct there, and then. And then what happened was there wasn't a whistle in the second period there for like a yeah a big yeah a big span. So did you do something um, else to get a ten minute misconduct, or did that ten minutes kind of come from the the fighting? Part? The way it was explained to me it was uh, off the way off, but he didn't say anything over the line or anything like that. It was just uh, I think their way of trying to um, diffusing any fireworks or or whatnot. So yeah. I wonder how you, how you felt Chris Russell because he was again being asked to do a little bit more tonight. Yeah. I felt he, he was able to play. I thought he was competitive. I thought he uh, blocked some shots for us. He found himself in some offensive opportunities that didn't go in for him, but he found himself in some good spots. Um, you know what you're getting, Chris Russell. He's in a drought. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I know. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> but he found himself in uh, in uh, really good chances at the net and uh, didn't go in, but. I think it's two goals in four games for him. Yeah, right? wait yeah. One more night to get home yeah. Well, you know what? And and uh, I think it, we talked before the game that this game was going to be a learning opportunity. We learned some stuff. Um, one thing I think we can be better at is that we did generate a lot of offensive opportunities and. Uh, on a personal level, we can be sharper. We can be sharper to convert those. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, their goaltender played very well. That's the type of goaltending you're going to see down the stretch and in the playoffs. Uh, you have to find a way to be personally sharp so that you can maximize those opportunities because there won't be as many in the playoffs. Perfect. Good, thanks. Thanks, James. Jay Woodcroft, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, who lose 5-2 this afternoon to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Woodcroft's record behind the Oilers bench uh, still pretty good, 23-9-3. So funny, Rob, we were talking about the too-many-men penalty, and that was the the first question, so he kind of explained what happened there. In in your experience, when there is a too-many-men penalty, Mm -hmm. what's usually the cause of it uh, i mean obviously there's some confusion along the way but what's usually the biggest culprit in a too many men uh usually the guy coming off the ice uh changes his mind and as a player when you see your guy coming so if, if i'm on the ice if i'm on the bench and i'm taking connor mcdavid off i'm looking connor's coming to the bench he usually they they make a facial expression or they'll put their hand up or stick means they're coming so i see that he's coming and now i start watching the play because if I'm jumping on, I got to go, okay, where's my guy? Where's where's the, the best place for me to go as soon as I get on the ice? So now I see Connor's coming off. I jump on. If Connor was to switch, change his mind at the last second, I've stopped watching him because I'm now watching the play. Because when a player's on the ice, they need to follow the play to see where they're exactly they're supposed to be, how they're supposed to adjust to it. So it's usually the guy that's coming to the bench. Usually it's his fault simply because he changed his mind. Now, having said that, if you're on the bench circumstances sometimes change when a guy's coming to the bench. For example, if in this game tonight, I think it was Cassian, I'm not positive, but Cassian was involved with another player 
So Cassian's coming to the bench. Then he gets involved, a player, and he start pushing and shoving. They grab each other's sticks. The player that's on the bench, he's got to take that one last glance to make sure his guy has gotten to the bench. The Oilers tonight didn't, and I think that's where you saw because it, it was a late guy. In the video where they pause it, it's, it's quite a bit after everyone else has changed when that player is jumping onto the ice. So at that point, he didn't take that last glance to make sure that his guy was coming off. And then my guess, and the way that Jay was not upset at all about the call, that he was on the ice and the only, they probably, and they never showed a, a bird's eye view. When the whistle went, my guess is all six guys were still on the ice because that's why they called it with the puck behind the net and, and no play really going on. So the refs made the right call. Uh, we just didn't get a good enough picture of it. All right, so the Oilers fall 5-2. He was also asked about the Zach Cassian penalty, and we talked about it after the first period, well, and then into the second as well. So there was the big scrum with about a minute and a half left in the first, and the Oilers wound up shorthanded out of that. You had uh, McDavid and Cassian getting penalties for the Oilers, and uh, uh, yeah, Robinson got a penalty for Columbus. And then at the end of this first period, Cassian gets a 10-minute misconduct for abuse of officials. And as Woodcroft said, said something going off the ice. Now, Woodcroft's explanation was he didn't think it was too harsh what he said. Uh, I mean, he's probably going to stick up for his player there as well. But is there a moment? I mean, so it's a minute and a half, a minute 32 of game time after the initial scrum. And then Cassian, you know, apparently made a point to say something to the refs. Is that is that the refs saying, okay, you, 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 you had your say earlier or maybe you'd got to – drop a bomb on me or two when you're going to the box and I don't want to hear about it anymore? Or how does that usually play out? Um, it, a lot of times it's if you're demonstrative, if you make a show of it so that everyone in the rink knows that you're laughing at you, yelling at you, screaming at you, cutting you, whatever it is. If, if, if everyone knows that you're doing it, refs don't like that. If you cross the line with what you say, refs don't like that. And sometimes they're just tired of you because you've said it earlier <laughs> and you're like, okay, you know what? I had, I've had enough of you. And, and, and it's funny because referees are just like everyone else, teachers, police officers, people in the office. Sometimes someone just annoys you long enough. You're like, okay, I've had enough of you. You're going to the office. You're, you're going into the back of the cop car. You know what? You're going in a timeout over there. And I think that was just the referee saying, I'm like, you know, why don't you go have a little timeout? sit down, relax, and when you come back out, then maybe you'll be in a fresher state of mind and you and I are going to get along a lot better. Uh, again, this is, this. I, I don't know in a playoff game if you give a 10-minute misconduct in that situation, unless, again, we don't know what he was saying, but this is just kind of like, all right, this game means nothing. I'm not taking this from you. It's been a long year. I got a long flight tonight. Go sit down and let's forget about this for a little bit. All right, so the Oilers lose 5-2 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. That means a $200 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. 200 bucks every time the Oilers score going from James H. Brown to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. We'll have more post-game reaction and, of course, your reaction as well is welcome on the Certainteed Hotline, 780-496-0063. Certainteed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainteed, pro all the way. Oilers lose 5-2 in Columbus. It's Heartland Ford, overtime open line. And for a check up to Roslovic into the Euler end on the right wing off the crossbar. Roslovic just missed. Nyquist has it. His shot and it goes off of Koskin and hit his right shoulder and the puck flipped out. 
Well, despite taking the loss this afternoon, Miko Koskin made some big saves. That's his save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Koskinen stops 26 out of 30. At the other end, Elvis Merzlikin stops 33 out of 35, Rob. And looking back on this one, th- there were some chances for the Oilers, some missed opportunities. Uh, you know, you had Hyman in alone, shot it wide. McLeod in alone, shot it wide. But maybe Merzlikin's best save, Rob. There's 13 minutes left in the third. It's 2-2. And McDavid, who created a lot today, appeared to have Merzlikin's at his mercy. And the Columbus goalie just got his blocker on it. A couple minutes after that, the Blue Jackets score what turns out to be the game winner. Yeah, he was good. Uh, some big saves. And you didn't even mention the, the backdoor McDavid Yamamoto on a two-on-one, which was a, a, a great save as Yamamoto gets it on net and the toe save of uh, against him. Uh, yeah, the Oilers had plenty of opportunities. I mean, both teams did. Columbus hit a couple posts, a couple crossbars. There was the silly turnover that bounced off the ref from Kulak from behind the net when they were shorthanded that uh, there was a big save at that point for Koskinen. But uh, what we've seen lately, and, 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 and we've talked about it a lot, in games there's moments where a team gets a bounce or a break and they capitalize on it. They execute perfectly, and that that provides some momentum going forward, where if the goalie makes the save or a crossbar does, that non-executed opportunity pushes the other team with, with momentum. And I think that's what we saw today. The Oilers had their chances at the score 2-1 to one to extend the lead, and they didn't. And then all of a sudden, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets, all right, we're one bounce away from tying this up, and... They took advantage and they executed and they got the bounce. This was a game that uh, both teams had great opportunities. Either team could have won the hockey game, but the execution in key moments, uh, Columbus has a power play that they score on uh, at a big moment. Columbus has the two-on-one that they score on in a key moment. Those were the opportunities that the Oilers failed on. Yeah, I think you're right, Rob. It, it, some opportunities when the Oilers had the lead to extend the lead. I mean, the second period, the Oilers had a couple of long extended periods of zone time, cycling the puck, trying to jam pucks to the net and and couldn't finish it. I mean, if it's 3-1 going to the third period, a much different story than, uh, than 2-1. And I, I think that as much as anything, I mean, obviously the, the focus is going to be the four goals in the third period by Columbus, but that, that could have been a bigger Oilers lead going to the third period if they could have put some chances away. Yeah, certainly. And there were, there were great chances that the Oilers didn't capitalize. And there was a couple where they just missed. Uh, McDavid makes an incredible move at the blue line, turning, uh, I think it was Crowley inside out, comes back and he's got Kane back door hottest goal scorer for the Edmonton Oilers and McDavid just misses the pass on that one and then what we saw tonight in the first time in a long time is the Edmonton Oilers having to chase a game and when you chase you take chances and when you take chances you have to be really conscious of being on the proper side of the puck and the Oilers pinched a couple times the their forwards their high guy wasn't in the right spot and it turned into back-to-back two-on-ones for the Columbus Blue Jackets. On the second one, Voracek made an unbelievable pass, and they score on it. So uh, chasing a hockey game puts a lot of pressure on you to uh, make all the right reads defensively, and the others missed a couple, and that extended the lead for the Columbus Blue Jackets. All right, 5-2 Jackets win it. Here is Oilers winger Zach Hyman. 
Tyson about that too many men in the ice pin lead. Those those happen in the course of a year, but this was kind of a weird one because you had Duncan's behind the net for the puck, standing there waiting for everyone to change, and somehow you guys sent five guys over the boards instead of four. Yeah. Um, any idea? Like, no, I was on the ice. I don't know. I didn't see it. You didn't see it. No. Just yeah, no, I didn't see it. <laughs> so did you just let that team hang around too long? You could have put them away in the first two periods with all the chances you had. Yeah, no, I, we had a lot of chances. You know, credit to their goalie, but um, you had one. For sure. Yeah, oh yeah, I had one. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just missed it there. But yeah, you know, the goalie played well, obviously. But as you get closer to the playoffs, those chances get, you know, they're, they're harder to come by. So we we got to you know, put on ourselves to, to bear down and. Uh, especially against a team like that, you can kind of put them away early, take the life out of the game, and and uh, you know shut it down. But uh, you know they made saves, we didn't capitalize, and uh, there it is. Probably captain obvious here when I say how much Darnell Nurse means to this team. Yeah. But was it kind of noticeable tonight? Did you see anything from your group without them? Oh, I mean, I thought our, I think our decor is strong. I think we have depth, but you know you can't replace a player like Darnell. He's a great player. Um, you know, affects the game obviously. So. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's hard to find a guy like that, you know, try to let him lose a guy, try to add a guy like that, you know, it's it's, it's not easy. There are, you know, aren't many of uh, Darnell nurses in the league, so uh, he's a, a huge part of our team, and uh, you know, hopefully we can get him back soon. Are there any lessons learned uh, from today's game in terms of just how long, because we don't know how long he's going to be out for, but just to be able to withstand his loss, is yeah. there anything that you can kind of take away at to, to, to kind of make sure that it's a little bit better? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the game was lost on, on the back end or anything so um you know obviously we missed our now but i don't i don't think that, that that's why we we lost the game we lost because we you know we didn't we weren't able to capitalize um we took too many penalties they got one on the power play and uh you know we uh we got too many odd men rushes so Zach, you guys have been tremendous holding on to leads especially going into the third period all year long obviously this is going to happen from time to time but what were some of those elements that were missing that you guys usually portray in these kind of situations yeah i just i think you know, play our game, have a strong start to the period and, and really put a team away. So um, obviously didn't do that. They got a, an early goal and then, you know, the power play gave them life and they scored and then they're up. So, um, but for us, you know, we worried about our game. We're not worried about the other team. I think that uh, if we focus on, on what we what we can do and, and how we play and just continuing to play like that, I think, uh, you know, we've proven that we can shut the, shut the game down. So, you know, we'll, we'll flush this one and move on. Was this game... Not to say predictable, but you'd beat Nashville as shutout. You beat Vegas. You beat Dallas. You beat you know, Colorado. All those teams that are in the playoffs, and then you play a team that's out of the playoffs. Subconsciously, was this predictable? I, mean, I don't think so. I mean, you just try to we try to win every game, right? Um, you know, going to a game thinking, oh, this is going to be an easy one. I mean, I think especially against a team like that. Um, we have so many young guys who want to make a, a statement and they're, they're playing for for next year, right? They're playing to have an impact on uh, management, on coach, you know, been there before, right? I, I think um, you got to put, it's, it's not hard to, it's not easy to win this league. You know, it's, it doesn't matter who you play against, you got to you gotta make sure you take care of it. You're up 2-1 after 2, it could have been 4-1. Mm -hmm. You kind of let them hang around, I guess, right? Yep. The issue here would be. Sure, yeah, I mean. Yeah, we didn't capitalize, right? We had good extended ozone possessions, we had good looks, you know. Just uh, that's what happens. You let a team stick around, right, and and uh, give them life. So, um, yeah, good for them. We'll flush it. We'll get on to the next one and uh, keep moving on. 
All right, that is Zach Hyman of your Edmonton Oilers as he talks about flushing this one and moving on to Pittsburgh. The Oilers do uh, have their four-game winning streak come to an end this afternoon. The Blue Jackets win for just the fourth time in their last 16 games. No Darnell Nurse, Rob. Playing without him is our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line. Obviously a big loss. We don't expect Darnell back until uh, the playoffs. Jay Woodcroft said it's nothing serious, nothing major. And he said, we'll see about him playing in, in game one of the postseason. So we'll uh, we'll just see how that goes. Uh, the Keith played 19-13 tonight, Kulak 19-12, Russell 16-53. So that's how it broke down on the uh, left side. Yeah, and I think Zach Hyman was right. This wasn't on the back end in this game. That was a game that uh, mistakes were made throughout the ice. And uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets capitalized when they had their opportunities. Uh, I mean, they, the others are missing Darnell Nurse, but Columbus was missing more. <laughs> like they had, they had a number of big names out of their lineup, and they didn't have the players that are able to fill the spots as the Oilers do. So, I, I, to me, you don't look at injuries as to why the Oilers lost this game. Having said that, you, know, you obviously don't want to go into a playoff series without your best defenseman. Uh, if the Oilers play the LA Kings, uh, a storyline of the entire series will be the LA Kings coming into the playoffs without their best defenseman, Drew Doughty, and, and how much more you have to overcome if that's the case. So uh, the Oilers hope to have Darnell back. I would expect he would be back. It looked more like a strain or a pull or something along that line, not a break. So rest him, have him prepare, and get ready for the start of the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, Darnell Nurse, incredibly important part of the, the Edmonton Oilers. And it's hard to find someone to fill 26, 27 minutes, and they're tough minutes. It's not just fluff minutes he's out there for. He's out there against the other team's best players. He's out there uh, shorthanded. He's out there last minute of periods. So it's something that they certainly do not want to miss. But to me, I'm not worried about him not being in the playoffs until game one and they announce the starting lineup. All right, 5-2 Columbus wins this one. You're also going to hear from Tyson Berry as we move along this afternoon. You're welcome to give us a buzz, 780-496-0063. Thoughts on today's game or the Oilers' prospects here as the uh, playoffs approach, and uh, they will likely have home ice advantage. they still got to get two more points to nail down second place. Couldn't quite do it today. You're listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line on 630 Chet. Here comes McDavid. He'll give it to Nugent Hopkins to Dreisaitl on the right wing. His shot is blocked. It goes right to Nugent Hopkins to McDavid on the left wing. Back to the left wing point for Barry. Give it to McDavid across. Dreisaitl scores! Leon Dreisaitl, the one-timer off the right wing. It's a power play goal. And the Oilers are up 2-1. to one. Well, the Oilers lose 5-2, but yet another power play strike by... Leon Dreisaitl, and it is, of course, off his patented one-timer from the right side. The Oilers one for three on the power play. Blue Jackets one for four. The power play story for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with four locations, including a new one in Camrose. Check out Extreme with the next powerproducts.com. Rob, I mean, we're getting so used to that play, and I know sometimes uh, if the Oilers have a tough game on the power play or, or they want that one across to, to Dreisaitl and they can't get it, you know, we get calls like, well, why are they forcing it? What else are they going to do? You know, why, why don't they try something else? But, um, I mean, that's the first look <laughs> because when it <laughs> works, uh, it's – and I mean – I know you've talked a lot about one time the puck, get it off quick, hit the net, because the, the goalie's moving, right? It might go in off him, but Dreisaitl's shot is also 
like he's firing it hard. He's one timing it, and he's deadly accurate. I mean, that one was just above the height of the pad, and, and just below the the glove. I mean, he couldn't have placed that one much better. Yeah, you're right. Uh, a lot of the time, though, you're just aiming at the net. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not every pass comes exactly where it needs to be. It's coming all the way across the ice. It has to go through skates or sticks. Uh, it's got to land perfectly. Uh, so sometimes you just have to readjust, and you can't put the puck exactly where you want it to go because you have to either pull your arms in or you got to reach out a little bit. But the thing you can do is hit the net. And it, it sounds easy, but it's not. If you watch over the, the course of the season, the number of players taking one-timers that miss the net, uh, I'm going to guess it's in the 70% of the time they don't hit the net. It's a hard play. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl probably takes one-timers at about an 80% uh, chance of, of hitting the net. He's that good at it. And what's hard for the goaltender, so the goalie is looking at McDavid and, this, and the offside defenseman as well. Drysaddle moves around. Um, we, you see a lot, and we've talked about it a lot, a lot of great one-timers, and Ovechkin and Stamkos are two of the best in the NHL right now. 95% of the time, they're in the exact same spot. They got their sweet spot. That's where they're going to be. So as a defender, you know where you want to put your stick, and you know where you want to be in a shooting lane. And as a goaltender, you can kind of guess exactly where the puck is coming from. So as you're pushing across, you have a pretty good idea. Now, having said that, their shot's so good they can still score. But with Leon... He moves around. Sometimes he's a foot off the goal line. Sometimes he's five feet, 10 feet. Uh, he puts himself in different areas. So it's even harder for a goaltender because it's never the same spot where that puck is coming from. So as you're swiveling your head across, you're trying to track to see where the player is. And that's what makes Leon so good is his ability to hit the net from anywhere. And it's not easy at all. Yet he makes it look a lot easier than it is. And then when he has time and it, the puck is in the perfect spot, then he can put the puck where he wants to. And that's just above the pad and below the glove. Anytime you try to go top shelf bar down, you're more apt to miss the net high. So he always tries to find middle of the net low. And that way he knows that it's going to hit the net just about every time. So when he when he's down to a knee like he was today, and mm -hmm. we see other players do that, is that, is that to adjust for where the pass is coming from? Is that to try to get a little more power on the shot? Why do some players drop to a knee like that? It, it's both. Uh, sometime if, if the puck is a little tight on you, you go down to just change the angle of your stick and your body because the puck wasn't in a perfect spot. And it also gives you a little extra juice on the shot. Um, so it, it's both of those things. Uh, in a perfect world, in a one time, if you watch a guy in practice, very rarely does he go down to a knee to shoot it. But the guy passing is doing it without fear of it being picked off and he's putting it in the perfect spot every time. So... For, for Leon, it's it's just adjusting. And what you'll do, most good goal scorers or great goal scorers, they will have players and coaches or whoever works with you in practice put the puck in different spots, give you bad passes, make you adjust. Don't, if you're ever, so kids that are listening that are out there or parents that are listening and want to work with your, your, your kids that you're coaching, don't always give kids the perfect pass because it rarely happens in a game. Force them to readjust, force them to change their body angle, change their arms, pull their arms in, move their body into a different uh, position because uh, if you wanna be a goal scorer, you gotta be able to adapt with whatever you're given. And Leon Dreisettle is probably uh, the best in the world at it right now. You know what, Rob, I'm glad you bring that up because I've seen them working on that at practice. You know, a guy lines up for a one-timer and the pass is, 
just you know where he's got to reach behind or it's coming more into his skates right and they will still work on trying to get it off because you don't want to lose that that opportunity if mm-hmm. if if you can help it right you don't want to have to stop the puck or dig dig the puck out of your feet you still want to get a shot away so i i definitely have seen guys work on that at practice I let give, give the guy the puck in less than ideal conditions so he's still thinking about shooting as opposed to ah it's not exactly where i want it so maybe i won't shoot well, and that's a good point too, Reed. And we've seen players over here in the past. And Jordan Everly, to me, is the one that stands out the most. Uh, a good goal scorer in the National Hockey League that we never saw the one-timer from very rarely. And if he didn't get the perfect pass, you always saw him stop it, readjust. And every time you stop the puck, it allows the goaltender to set himself. And all goaltenders at the National Hockey League level, if they set themselves, they get a pretty good chance of stopping the puck. So... What Leon does differently than Jordan Everly, Leon will move his body. He'll move his hands. He'll move his. Uh, he'll go down. He'll move back. On, he'll shoot a one timer off his back foot. He'll shoot a one timer off his front foot. These are things that you can work at in practice. And most players, younger players, don't want to work on that because it's not as effective when you first started. Because you don't. Oh. I mean, everyone wants to go big clapper as hard as you can off the bar and, and down. But that's on the perfect pass. No one wants to work on one where the first 50, a first 100, first 200, they've come off your stick very weak and sometimes miss the net. The great players are the ones that continue to persevere. And after 500, 600, 1,000, 2,000 of the same shots over and over again, they become pretty prolific at it. And it certainly helps out down the road when those are the players that when you see and they were good, they were average or good goal scorers in June or in minor hockey become great goal scorers in junior become productive goal scorers in the national hockey league it's because they continued to work on their craft all right final score this afternoon blue jackets five oilers two you'll hear from tyson barry our phone lines are open 780-496-0063 this is heartland ford overtime open line okay oilers had a 2-1 lead after two periods in columbus but they cannot hold it. the oilers wind up losing 5-2 to the blue jackets bjorkstrand scored early in the third you had Blankenberg, first career goal on the power play halfway through the third. Roslovich scored on a two-on-one with just over three minutes left. And then Sillinger got the uh, empty netter in the final minute of the game. So the Oilers' four-game winning streak is over. Their record now 46-27-6. Three games left in the regular season for the Oilers at Pittsburgh on Tuesday. Home against San Jose on Thursday. Home against Vancouver on Friday, we uh, the playoffs start May 2nd. We don't yet know the Oilers' schedule. Uh, they need a couple points here to clinch second, which means they would start at home. Let's run back to Columbus. Here's defenseman Tyson Berry. Different strokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyson, uh, you guys have been pretty good at holding on to leads after two periods of play. Obviously, this one got away. What did you see transpire in the third? Yeah, um, they got one early there, and then, um, you know, we were... You know, I think we, we, you know, bottom line is we have to be better in the third. Um, I think we had a lot of chances to score prior to that in the first two periods, and we, you know, we have to bear down on our chances and be sharp and and put them away when we have a chance. And um, you know, give them credit; they played a, you know, they're a good young team and they played hard. But um, I think, you know, we were chasing it there at the end of the game when, you know, we probably could have avoided that if we finished on a few chances early. Yeah, they hang around on you, right? Mm-hmm. They hang around all night. You guys let them hang around. That would be the lesson here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not like we didn't have our looks and our chances. I thought their goalie played really well. He made he made some big saves, but, um, you know, we'd also like to finish a couple of those. But, 
Yeah, they did hang around, and then they got one early in the third, and then another one, and then we're, you know, we end up being the ones chasing, which is, you know, a position we haven't been in a lot this year. So, so was this one a little predictable after beating Nashville and Vegas and no, I mean, Dallas? We had a, and you're playing a weaker team, I guess. And yeah, we had a 2-1 lead going into the third, and that's, um, you know, we're, we're comfortable in that position. We've, we're, you know, I think you guys said it, we're, we're a good team with the lead, and we've been good all year, and... Um, so to say it was predictable, I don't know. We're, we had a chance to win that, and um, yeah, I think we could have padded that lead a little earlier for sure. So you haven't clinched whole mice. No, yet, so no, we haven't. We've got our yeah, and it's uh, we've got we've got our work cut out for us. We got you know three good teams, and um, we gotta we gotta do it. It's the first game in a while uh, with the conventional 12 and 6, and also first game in even longer without Darnell Nurse. What did that kind of, those two variables do to your, to your team tonight? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously missing Nurse, he's a big piece of this team, and um, you don't, you know, you don't replace what he brings. And, um, you know, you saw all of our minutes go up tonight, and we're only playing 60. And um, it's, uh, you know, I think guys like getting involved and getting some more minutes, but, um, you know, Nurse, does such a, a good job defensively, offensively, kind of does it all for us. So, um, you know, hopefully he won't be out long. Yeah, that's just it. We, we weren't told how long he's going to be out for. I don't know what you guys know, but in, in terms of any lessons to be learned uh, without him, was there anything that you could kind of pick out in terms of what you can do to kind of withstand his loss a little bit? Uh, you know, again, we're, you know, we're 2-1 into the third period and, and we just let it get away from us. And um, I don't know if you you say it's directly, you know, missing Nursey. I think uh, there's... You know, there's little plays and areas that we'd like to be better in. Um, I'm sure we'll go over that as a as a team and a the coaching staff will this time. That too many men in the ice penalty. Those come and go, but that was a weird one. Duncan's behind the net, standing there waiting for you to change, and you guys sent five guys over instead yeah. of four. What happens Yeah, there? that was uh, uh, coming off for a good shift that we had, too. You know, we were getting some momentum. and um, Yeah, that, that is a weird one. I don't know. I don't know if there was... I'm not sure what the reason. I'll have to go back and watch the tape as to what we were up to there, but um, not... Uh, not an ideal one, for sure. They were so excited to get on the ice. They said, oh, okay. Yeah, Stop. exactly. Charging over the boards. Yeah, yeah. I had too excited. <laughs> yeah, well, too many men penalty cost the Oilers. The Blue Jackets would score the game winner on that power play partway through the third 5-2. Columbus is the final. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit JV Edmonton. Dot ca. I can also tell you the Oilers' next opponent, the Pittsburgh Penguins, trailing Philadelphia, one nothing late in the first period. Uh, also this afternoon, a couple games have already, uh, besides the Oilers' game, have been completed. The Red Wings get a three nothing shutout win against the Devils, and the Hurricanes beat the Islanders five. Two and the Blue Jays leading Houston 6-5 in the bottom of the seventh. The Oil Kings won last night 4-0. They're up 2-0 in that best of seven against Lethbridge. The Oilers farm team, Bakersfield Condors, with a 4-0 win uh, last night as well over Stockton. Stuart Skinner with the shutout in that game. Sebastian Cosa had the Oil Kings uh, shutout as the Oil Kings now go to Lethbridge for the next game in that series on uh, Thursday. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Cletus standing by. Hi, Cletus, go ahead. Hey, how's it going there, boys? What's yeah, pretty happening? good, sir. Well, I'm kind of frustrated. I was out in the barn pulling a calf, listening to the radio, and it was really, it was really, I was upset that the Oilers took such a beating. But I sure hope that Mike Smith can last in the playoffs. I think that would be the guy to put in the net. What do you think? 
I well, yeah, I think if the playoffs start tomorrow or if they start next Monday, Mike Smith will be their starter and they will ride him. They will play him as long as he plays well and stays healthy. He's a starter. They're not going to platoon goaltenders in the playoffs. They're going to go with the one guy. And right now, Mike Smith is that guy. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, that's been such a huge topic all season long, Rob. And I, I mean, I get it. We had a lot of discussions. Well, is there going to be an obvious starter? Will it be the guy who's playing not as poorly as the other guy? Mm-hmm. I think both goaltenders have been pretty good for the most part and have had some excellent games over the last six to eight weeks. Um, Smith is on an incredible hot streak had the back-to-back shutouts playing with a lot of energy moving the puck but that has lost his last two games i don't think he's played poorly by, by any means i don't i think uh, the last loss in minnesota was a, a game in which the orders didn't play great and got beat pretty bad and, and i think today as well they didn't quite have their usual jump but i mean smith's ability to play the puck i mean look the the priority for the goaltender is stopping the puck if if they're both do if Koskinen is simply making more saves than Smith, then it would be Koskinen. Mm-hmm. But if they're even, and I don't know if they are even, because even though no. Koskinen hasn't been bad, Smith has been better. But if they were to be even, I would think Smith's puck handling would be would be the tiebreaker. It's hard to envision right now. Again, knock on wood, barring injury, it's hard to envision a scenario, um, you know, in which Smith wouldn't be the starter in Game One. I agree. I, I think Smith will probably get oh, one or two starts. I mean, he would have to absolutely flounder in those starts for him not to be the starter next game for the first playoff game. Uh, he has been the better of the two. Koskinen has been good, but Smith has been the better of the two at stopping the puck. And uh, anyone that's a fan of the Oilers and watches the game, there's zero comparison when it comes to playing the puck. One is uh, an A and one is much further down in the alphabet when it comes to his ability moving the puck and, and jumping out and stopping rims and stuff like that. And when you play a team that uh, is going to forecheck hard, as LA will try to do, you want to get out of your zone as quick as possible. And uh, Mike Smith is capable of doing that by himself. So right now, there's it's not even a competition. Hey, Mike Smith's your starter, Koskinen's your backup. This is what the Edmonton Oilers and Ken Holland had uh, envisioned when the season started, when they were going to be in the playoffs. And uh, it was a bumpy road to get here, but right now everything is exactly how he had hoped, and he's got two goalies playing well, and he's got a starter that's ready for game one of the playoffs. I agree with yeah, you. I think so. Cletus, are you still there? I got to get back to the barn. There's another cow mooing, and I'm okay. going to have a shot of Jack Daniels, boys. So nice, nice All right. to you. Great show, great show. Right on. Well, he's having a busy afternoon, Rob. He's uh, a little busier than you calves, and, I. and I wonder if he's going to share the Jack Daniels with some of the cattle. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, poor cow just had a calf, deserves a drink. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you this, Rob. There was a listener last year. Uh, oh, what was, what's his name? He, he, he calls in and writes in fairly regularly. Oh, I feel awful. I, I, I think it was, I think it's Colton in Lac La Biche. He named a calf after me. He named a calf Reed. That's probably the biggest honor in my life. <laughs> well, yeah, and that calf, poor calf, it's got uh, the expectations now, having to live up to the bar that you have set <laughs> yeah, in your uh, life. Poor, well, poor cow has so, got no probably chance. Probably more eloquent on the radio if it gets a broadcasting <laughs> career. It might make more sense. <laughs> well, Did you ever- Next year at some point, I'll be doing a, a game with a cow, just me and the cow sitting in Studio 99 doing the game. It'll be, it'll be yeah. easy, though. They they want to help me because I struggle with names, so they're keeping the cow named Reed, so it's all good for me. Yeah. 
Well, they keep the show moving, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, uh, you yeah, just did go. a Gene Principe on I the did video. a little. Well, Gene, Gene is a positive influence on all of us. Did you hear Gene yes. rapping, by the way, the, the, the other day? I did not hear Gene rapping. I Gene Principe is in a rap it. song. It's available today. I don't know, Angie, do we still have that clip? Okay, I'm going to try and find it here. Uh, He's a man of just... many talents, Gene Principe. Well, Gene Principe is incredible, yes. Oh, I, I don't I've know done if I... many games. I've done a lot of games read on TV uh, throughout my time with the Oilers and working with Gene. Oh, my goodness. He is, uh, talent-wise, he is so, so good. So easy to work with. And uh, I really enjoy working with him. So it, nothing surprises me that what Gene Principe can do. No, and and you're right. He is a, he is an awesome guy, and you have to have style, and you have to try to stand out. And I, I I get it. The puns aren't for everybody, but I he's committed to them, and most of them are pretty good. I mean, I loved how he came <laughs> up today with uh, on the, the the little pregame they did with Luke Gazdick, and he said, you know, the Oilers are playing in the arena with the cannon and with four consecutive videos, the Oilers have been on a cannonball run of their own. I'm just like, yes. See, and you and I, I got love that, that because we know how great a movie cannonball run was with Burt Reynolds and Goldie Hawn. That was so long ago. I've forgotten more movies than I, my, my, I was hanging out with my buddy the other night and he was watching the Goonies. Oh, and I, I said, I, I said, I, I know, I, but the thing is, I don't remember it. I said, I I know I saw this and I know I liked it, but I can hardly remember any of the details about it. Angie, do we well, have... It's, the, fun, I, it, it's funny, Reed, too. It's my son just went to a movie and one of the stars of The Goonies is a star in this movie. It's his first big movie since The Goonies. It's kind of funny how it all comes around here on our show. Okay, Angie, if you go in the game day folder that we use for all the clips, I think I got a snippet of Gene wrapping in, in there so just uh fire it when it's ready so this is a song uh produced by a, a local producer who's actually i won't give away his real name but i think people know him because he's coached basketball in the city he, he goes by uh the name chew the producer chu and this song is available online today it's called ghost of our past and it, here's uh here's how gene sounds rapping in that We're gonna win the Stanley Cup even with all the restrictions I'm not predicting this premonition of fictionless fact We are the city of chance bringing that moniker back Taking a sneak peek as we creep creep on the way to the mountaintop Yeah, we There was, he's not bad dreams coming true he's, we never he's pretty good, he's pretty good <laughs> Andrew, are you saying, oh I, I gotta tweet out the link Because it's on YouTube Perfect, okay if people follow me on Twitter, uh, it's at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Uh, I'm going to tweet out. Yeah, it's the first um, one when you type in Gene Principe rapping. On, it's the first one that comes up on YouTube. It was posted, I okay. guess, 12 hours ago. Yeah, the, so, well, the song came out today for, for yeah. widespread consumption. Yeah. So it's it's worth a it's worth a look for sure okay uh by the way the scoreboard i gave you earlier 
presented by Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Oilers lose 5-2 to Columbus, playing the Penguins on Tuesday, and the Penguins trail the Flyers 1-0 after the first. Okay, well, we had uh, Cletus, who's uh, working in the barn, give us a call. We still have time for you, 780-496-0063. Quick timeout. Heartland Ford overtime open line. Okay, matinee doesn't go well for the Oilers today. They lose 5-2 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Oilers hockey presented by Friesen Brothers. Rob, I am shocked. Um, not necessarily because it came in under today. I, I set the line for River Creek Resort and Casino Excitement bet on it at 6.5 uh, points plus hits for Evander Kane. Uh, it, it is well under because he got a goal. And according to the game sheet, he was not credited with any hits. And I know there was a close up of him drilling uh, Blankenberg behind the net. Oh, so I guess yeah, that crushed it, him. Yeah. yeah, it was so, funny that Blankenberg actually stopped and shook his head and yeah. looked like he wanted to leave the ice. Uh, and then there was the turnover and he had to stay out there. But that was a heavy, heavy hit by Evander Kane. But as you know, and you mention it all the time when you do your, your, little things at the beginning that it goes by the game sheet and not what sometimes the real number is. Well, well, first of all, uh, Jansen gets the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card for taking under. So zero hits in the game for Evander Kane, which is surprising. In fact, this is a bit of a shock. The Oilers only credited with eight hits in the entire game. Uh, two by Cassian, one each by CeCe Russell, Dreisaitl, Bouchard, and McDavid. The Blue Jackets were credited with 21 i don't know i mean <laughs> hard hard <laughs> well, to say i guess well, yeah i sometimes sometimes the home crowd or the home stats guys uh seem to notice theirs more than others not in all the rinks but some of them and today maybe it was just enough maybe the guys that was keeping track of the away team's hits maybe had a bout of the stomach flu and wasn't able to see the whole game Sure, something like that. <laughs> we'll never know. But I, I hope Stoff's okay. He hates that cannon, and he had to listen to it five times today. He did. Have, well, it's funny. They, every time they, the goal was scored, they, they showed the, the sports net went right to it, and we got to see it all the time on, on the television. I was laughing. I listened to you talking to Jody Shelley before the game, who oh, I've got to know through being at Perry Pern's three-on-three uh, -three every summer for a number of years. Great guy. But I was laughing at him when he said that he was going to go hang out by the ice cream machine to see if he could talk to Stoff. I'm like, wait a second, Jody. But then Jody's big enough. He can say these things without any fear of retribution. Yeah, Jody's uh, Jody's great. He's done a great job there. And he's always fun coming on. He says he listens to us every now and then, which is nice. That is very nice. He, yeah, he's, he's a good man. And I'm glad that he's found success in uh, in the media field because uh, he's a good person, was a good hockey player, and I have listened to him. He's very good on air as well. And I, and I got it because I'd referenced that story he told me a year or two ago about his first playoff game. So I said, okay, I got to get this again to get it from straight from you so I'm not quoting you all the time. But he, like his first playoff shift, and this, you know, this was a guy who'd played in the NHL, played big games, playoff games as a junior and all that kind of stuff, and then he got into an NHL playoff game, and he said like he was – first of all, almost overly amped up, and then he just couldn't wait to get off the ice because he was almost <laughs> overwhelming that first shift. And it's funny, this is a guy that felt fear going on the ice that took punches in the face, that that, that dropped the gloves with uh, behemoths, men, the angry, angry, large men, and never felt fear during that yet. Uh, but it, but it, what it did too, and, and I was listening, and I was, it took me back to, to the first games I played, 
how different a playoff hockey game is than anything you've ever played in your life as a hockey player. It's, it's a completely different experience. Uh, the emotion, the intensity, uh, everything. It's, it's one like for the players in the National Hockey League that go years without making the playoffs, and there's a bunch of players that have, that don't have the playoff resume because they just were, they've signed or been drafted or, or with a team that doesn't continue to make the playoffs. If you don't get to experience it, that's why players grow up loving the game of hockey. It's not the, 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 the middle of January game there you, you're excited about. It's the opportunity to start fresh in April or this year, May, and, and chase a championship. What doesn't matter what league you're in, there is something different about playing in a playoff hockey game. And Jody Shelley was absolutely right. Everything he explained and tried to describe to you and to the listeners was dead on. It is, it is something that you wish every fan could experience sitting on a bench and taking that step on the ice to see how much faster it is because it is, it, it's like you're, you're at a, oh, one of those, you're driving down White Ave and that's what a normal game is. And now you go to a speed track and that's how much faster it seems when you step on the ice for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. The playoffs are coming up here. We know the Oilers are are in. Uh, you know, the result today obviously just delays them likely clinching home home ice advantage in the in the first round. And I, I sort of a couple of weeks ago, Rob, on my on my show, or when I talked to people on the Faceoff show, ex players, I would say, you know, when did you sort of ramp it up or did it click in a little bit? I told you, Kelly Rudy told me the story about sort of early March. You start focusing a little bit, and even said he'd make sure his taxes were done. He didn't want any <laughs> off-ice distractions. And when I asked Hal Gill about it, he was like, no, Reed, all 82 games. So I, and then he just started laughing. He said, I can't even. <laughs> and, and you know, look, as we, we know players are always, you know, trying. We know they always care, but we also know there's times you ramp it up. And one one question we got a lot when the orders started 16-5 and five was, well, you know, can they play that way? Is this winning hockey in the playoffs? Can they? And it's always like, well, I don't know. I mean, we don't know how they're going to be playing in, in, in March and April. It's hard to compare uh, a, a game on October 30th, you know, to the games we're going to see starting in a week or two. Well, what you see in the playoffs is you see everyone get out of their comfort zone. You know, players that have got two block shots during the course of the season, both of them were by accident, now are laying down <laughs> chest first in front of a puck in a playoff game. Guys that have a total of 12 hits over the course of 82 games. Now we're going out of their way to try to run somebody over. Uh, the intensity, got, offensive players that, you know, sometimes have a lapse of judgment when it comes to the defensive side of the ice or of the player, they're the ones that are the first guy back. It, it completely changes. You can't play playoff hockey over the course of a season. It, it's impossible. Uh, physically, emotionally, uh, there's zero chance for a player to be able to do that over 82 games. And that's what playoff hockey is so exciting to watch is because the greatest players in the world all of a sudden take their intensity, their focus, their energy, and they get up to another level. And that's why playoff hockey is so exciting to watch because you're seeing the best in the world uh, get outside their comfort zone and do whatever it takes to win a hockey game, to win a shift, to win a battle. And that's why, uh, to me, there is no sport playoff championship run more exciting than hockey just because of the level that the players take it to well said and the Oilers will be taking on some guys that have lifted that cup uh, a time or three in a couple of days rob hope you have a great rest of your sunday buddy great show 
Sounds good. Take care. That is Rob Brown as the Oilers lose 5-2 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Get more on this game, more on the team on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. So tomorrow, of course, from noon to 2, Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now. And at 6 to 8 in the evening, I will have inside sports. Lots of Oilers chat and Elks running back James Wilder Jr. is scheduled to join me. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer this afternoon. Oilers Hockey is presented by Friesen Brothers. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Blue Jackets with four in the third to take down the Oilers 5-2. Talk to you soon.